Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 121. No Dom this week, but as always I'm joined by Jordan. Got me rocking and a rolling. Rocking and a rolling. Ah. It was a slight delay. You know, it had to travel. Yeah, the Beach Boys <laughs> had to travel all the way across the country from Tennessee to New Mexico. Yeah. Honestly, I think I could have got it sooner, but I wasn't sure if you were finishing it or if you were setting me up. So it was like that brief half second where it was like, oh, I'm supposed to finish it. Tried doing it as quickly as I could. Wasn't quick enough. It's one of those things, you know, if we're in the same room, I could just kind of tap you on the shoulder or whatever. Exactly, yeah. It's 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 rough, but we got there. We got there. <laughs> we got there. Um, so in terms of what we've been playing, um, MTG Arena finally added the private match stuff, which they promised to do. Um been playing that with real some quick friends. are you in on this game is this the thing are you doing it for real so it's it's my card game of choice if that makes sense like i'm not saying it's yeah, like a yeah so whenever I, I don't choose hearthstone elder scrolls legends i still dab in here and there but i mean i've loved magic the gathering since i was a kid um yeah so an accessible easy way to play it um is awesome so i just you know jump in it whenever i can there's daily things of like win win a match with uh, this color deck or play spells of this color. So it actually let has reasons for you to go and play different decks and try different things. The private match stuff, me and my friends like playing Magic, but obviously it's a lot easier to play an online game against each other than it is to go to somebody's house, take all of your cards, get set up, play a game, that kind of stuff. Obviously, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's my card game of choice. I wouldn't say I'm all in on it, but whenever I want to play a card game, it's what I choose. Um, gotcha. You weren't here last week. I finished Red right. Dead. Um, yeah. So I'm. So no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I don't worry. Um, so I've been dabbling with um, free roam and stuff like that. Um, enjoying it. So I, actually, now that I say no spoilers. They, is it kind of, I guess, like Spider-Man or God of War, where they're just like, all right, go have fun now? Uh, Yeah, you can... I'll answer this in a non-spoiler way. You can free roam the world after you beat the game. So, yeah. if I literally add anything more, I'm just afraid of spoiling that game in general. Um, no, you're good, man. Kind of, uh, I'm still, t you know, thinking about the game and where it fits for me in terms of the best games I've played all year. Um... It's a very good game. Uh, I have a lot of issues with the way people are responding to that game, more so than the issues I have with the game. Like, a lot of the problems I've seen from people are like, well, why doesn't it do this like X game? Or why is the pace slower than X game? It's like, I'm. that's not the point of art and video game development. Like, I don't see that as a worthy criticism of like, why does this game have such a slow pace in comparison to God of War or Assassin's Creed? And I'm like, well... That's the pace they wanted the game to have. Because, it, like, to me, slow pace doesn't mean bad pacing, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And especially for, like, a Western game, like, slow slow pace is Western. That's, like, the genre. Like, um, and there's a lot of other stuff I obviously want to get into, but I can't because of spoiler reasons. I'll just say that this game is a very good game. Uh, I was talking to Dom about this last week where... Spider-Man is a game that isn't very super innovative, but it does a lot of things very, very good. Red Dead is a game that's innovative in a lot of ways, and there are a lot of problems when they have that innovation. 
which kind of detracts from some of the enjoyment of the game. So it's a weird conversation to have in terms of which one is the better game of the year for me. Um, yeah. But I have finished it. We'll talk about it more, obviously, when you're getting through the game. Uh, Dom, I think, is eventually going to pick it up, too. So that'll be an interesting conversation. Excuse me. I played a bit of the Spider-Man DLC. I wasn't able to get to it fully just because of, like, the Thanksgiving holiday and um, the football games and a lot of stuff. I started, I'm, like, a couple of missions in, enjoying it. Um, I like the, sh- the suits that they have in this DLC. I don't know if you've seen the suits that are in this one or not, Jordan. So, <clears throat> I just downloaded it from my phone. I haven't uh, gone in, on my actual PlayStation and started it up yet or anything. Okay, don't want to ruin it for you if you don't know then. Um, yeah, I yeah. am. It is like, I've kind of seen glimpses of them in YouTube thumbnails or whatever, and I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to fuck with these new suits. I, I am so glad that that's an extra little bonus that we're getting, and they're giving us three per pack, so I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so I've only played a couple of missions there. Not much to report. The other thing, I started God of War uh, when I finished Red Dead. Nice. Nice. So I'm only... I've only... I'm about... I would say maybe an hour in. I'm about probably 10, 15 minutes past the first, that first fight that everyone talks about. So I'm assuming that's like an hour-ish in. If memory serves me correct. So I'm not too far in um, with that first person you encounter. Uh, obviously, you and Dom have already beat the game. It's a great yeah. game so far. Obviously, it's not something that hasn't been said before. Very polished, yeah. very high quality. The one thing I will say, and I'm not saying this as an overtly negative thing, but from what I've heard everybody talk about this game and talking about how innovative it is and how much of like of a masterpiece it is and all of this stuff, yeah. it's interesting to me how video gamey this game is. Like it very much feels I, like I a video game. That's so, I just wanted to hear what you were going to say, and I'm so glad that that was it, because I feel so much, and feel that way so much, and uh, it's funny that you jumped right in at this moment, because I just uh, cracked open the art book for the first time, so I've been kind of like re-familiarizing myself with it, and I was just thinking about how, especially compared to those original games, man, like... The gameplay is so feels so stiff. You know, people give The Witcher Three a lot of shit for uh, like stiff, or I guess just like not good combat. I don't, I can't ever get a straight answer out of most people as to why they don't actually like The Witcher 3's combat. But anyways, um, I just think that yeah, video gamey is a great way to put it because it doesn't feel like transcendent. Like, when I watch a Death Stranding trailer uh, for all the jokes that people give it, I do really kind of feel like there might be something going on there that uh, we've never really seen before. Well, and even in Red Dead, obviously people have their own problems with the... Oh, yeah, Red Dead's got it. Like, people people have problems with the controls in Red Dead because... And obviously, I understand where those criticisms come from. I'm not saying you're wrong. Obviously, everyone has their own interpretations of what they feel are good and bad controls. But it is realistic yeah. to a fault and to, like, 
it, but it's. I'm trying to think of how I want to process and state this. I like that because it's making a choice. You know what I mean? It's like this is the way this sure. game controls whether or not you enjoy that or not. I mean, that's a separate conversation, but it is making a choice. Right. With God of War, and I'm only like an hour and fifteen minutes in, so obviously I haven't had the full breadth of the game. I've even ran into a Valkyrie, which I don't even know what. I mean, I know what those are for mythology, obviously. But in terms of fighting one God of War, I have no idea what that is. I've just heard you guys talk about how difficult they are. But like, I would say, as soon as it's introduced, you might you know fuck around with it once or twice just to just for shits and giggles. But I'd say don't even fuck with it when they introduce it. Yeah. I think it's introduced like way before you would ever actually be able to fight it. Um. So, yeah, and I'm not saying like the video gamey thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just the way I've, he- I've heard people talk about this game all year. If they ever mention that, and I don't know if they just overlooked that, but like the moment I started the game and I saw these collectibles hidden in areas, I'm like, oh, so this is the, you know, it's very video game. It's like, enter a new section, enter a new small area, look around for all the collectibles. That's exactly where I need to go to progress. Go to the progression, get through, look for all the collectibles, move forward. It's like very video gamey. Um, that kind of leads me into thinking about how the menu system and the way that it's like kind of like Assassin's Creed of the last few years where they were just uh, pseudo RPGs in a way um, I think you know for this being Sony's Santa Monica's first type of game it's not as big of a transition as something like Killzone to Horizon for Gorilla but uh, regardless I think that the menus are serviceable at best clunky uh, in a lot of ways because it's not just the menus, but it's also uh, some of the gameplay systems that you'll get into. Just kind of how things branch off and like how um, you got your weapon that can also have a rune imbued in it. And that rune can have uh, its power upgraded six different ways from Sunday. And it's just kind of um, branches off into a lot of different directions. So there's things like that that wrap back into that uh, video gaminess, if you will, that you were kind of referring to so yeah well and um, people these are the things that kind of detract from me in just a general overarching way well people talk about how like innovative it was i mean i guess the, the main innovation right. people talk about is the axe throwing which i will say like recalling your axe does feel good but i mean a lot of it is yeah. is just taking what we know from this gen of development and and you know polishing it up and making it nice um yeah one thing i will say and i will vehemently disagree with dom on this and once again, I'm liking God of War. I'm not disliking. I'm just saying, and this is, goes with expectations and stuff like that. It's just stuff I haven't. Not that my expectations are let down. It's just stuff I hadn't heard yeah. people talk about that I'm discovering through my own gameplay. Um, I think the combat is kind of rudimentary. Like I, I remember Dom saying that he yeah. thought that he thought that the combat was Dark Souls combat perfected. And for me personally, <laughs> I, I think it's like, I think it's like Dark Souls combat watered down. Um, yeah, all I did for the, like the first 40 minutes of the game, and I know I'm going to say this again, I'm only an hour into the game, so I know people might comment like, oh, it gets harder or this or that, but like, I'm telling you, the, the first 40 minutes of this game, I threw the axe to somebody, recalled it, threw it, recalled it, threw it, recalled it, aimed at another person, threw it, recalled it, threw it, recalled it, threw it, recalled it. Yeah, okay. I mean, you're able to cheese it because that you're not going to do nearly as much damage if you're as if you were like going up and like dunking somebody on somebody with a you know heavy attack or whatever charged up yeah but uh yeah i i i can remember talking to dom about how i couldn't believe how easy it was 
God of War is definitely supposed to be more challenging than this because I think I might have been, you know, hours and hours into the game, uh, maybe four to six hours before I ever died. And that's, that's even on normal difficulty, God of War is supposed to be like this Spartan challenge type of deal, you know, this warrior thing that you're supposed to, to try to push through. And so I definitely don't feel that uh, throughout this game. If any party part is challenging, um, I unfortunately think, I'm not going to spoil, I mean, if you've listened to Dom and I talk about it, you know, but uh, I just think there are certain parts that uh, are challenging more because of these combat issues that you're bringing up right now and not because um, it's a cool, you know, from software boss that really challenges you in an interesting way. Yeah. It, it was just shocking to me because I remember, and I know how much Dom loves the Dark Souls games. So it was, it yeah. was when he, when he said that, I was like, wow. And then I remember you saying like, eh, I don't <laughs> know if I'd, I, I would disagree there with the combat and me playing it. I'm like, it's not bad, but it's like, I wouldn't say it's better than Dark Souls 3 combat in my opinion. Obviously I haven't played yeah. Bloodborne and that's faster and it's different. But like I think it's very sure. basic and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just surprising to me. So like in my early time Gosh. with it in my early time with it, the three contenders for me and I think for most people for game of the year are God of War, Spider Man, Red Dead. I think out of the mm-hmm. three games, and I've like I said, I've only played an hour of God of War and I've beat the other two. I think story wise, I think Red Dead and Spider Man are I enjoyed those, and I th- th- I think they're both very good. I think that's where God nice. of War will probably match out with them, in my assumption. Who knows? Gameplay wise, Spider Man's game yeah. yeah. gameplay Spider Man's is better for me than both of them. Um, like I said, I don't think God of War yeah. is as complicated or as difficult as people made it out to be. Red Dead's yeah. gameplay it's innovative, but it doesn't mean it's always great, including the controls yep. and other systems. Yep. And yep. And going to innovation, I think Red Dead's the most innovative of the three, and that's its leg up. Spider-Man isn't very innovative, but it nails everything so solidly, and I think God of War is going to do that too. It's just, in those other areas, I don't know if the story is going to live up to Spider-Man for me, because for a lot of people, this is like one of the best Spider-Man stories that's been told, which is really astounding considering how long that character's been around for. And the gameplay for me, even going back for the DLC, like... Obviously, there you have to get used to it again because you've been playing other games. It takes maybe one or two minutes, if that. Look up the controls, and the gameplay is just so fluid, so fun. You get it, you're in. And with God of War, it just seems like yeah, this is it's gameplay. For me, with God of War, I was yeah. astounded because the way people made it sound is it was a great story that was driven by great gameplay. And for me, it's an interesting story that's driven by so far good gameplay. I wouldn't say it's great. It's just it's kind of yep. like. I don't know. It's it's very weird. It's good gameplay, and it's funny that you're kind of uh, uh, everything that you just said. I agree with actually, uh, but coming from it from coming at it from a non uh, God of War fan perspective, um, you're saying things that are kind of surprising because they sound almost like someone who's like, "Hey." I remember when the gameplay in the series was top fucking notch, and now people are freaking out just because it's it's good. Yeah, like you said. So, well, I'm a uh, fan of I God won't... of War and God of War Two. I just never beat three, so I would say I'm a God oh, of War did fan. You? Okay, yeah, yeah, I've played okay. one and two. Yeah. Okay, then then you do know that's probably what uh, it makes it most painful uh, 
trying to go through this one, God of War 4, I guess you could say, because, um, yeah, I just don't think it's up to snuff for the series gameplay-wise. Even when you get the, uh, fuck. <laughs> the thing that you don't want to spoil for me. Just say that. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. The thing that I don't want to spoil for you. Um, I feel like you've got to know what I'm talking about at this point. But. Yeah, I just don't want to say it because then it'll make it reality and then I know it. You know there you I mean? go. There you go. <laughs> don't put it in your – keep it out of your head, Canon. Exactly. Um, but that being said, I, I, I kind of – I wouldn't say disagree, but I have a different opinion in terms of the gameplay because I, I see where you're coming from. For me, it's like – I think it's a, a Assassin's Creed thing where they're changing up the combat mm-hmm. and it just isn't – isn't there yet. Like, I guarantee it'll be better in the sequel, right? Just like how in Odyssey it was better than Origins. It's just, to me, the story is very interesting. I will give it that. And that fight at the beginning of the game is insane. It's one of the best things I've played in a video game. It is great. Dude, Um, I wish the combat was, like, more geared towards that uh, style. Because that's kind of God of War. Like, that's... It's weird that they would give you a taste of the classic series of, like, you know, kicking the shit out of an actual god. Yeah. And then, uh, all of a sudden, they kind of, like, rip that rug out from under well, you and change everything up. The weird thing is, when we first... I don't know if you remember for E3, and I'll keep this short so you can talk about stuff so we can get to everything. I'm going a little long here. You remember when they first showed the new combat for Assassin's Creed Origins during E3, and everyone was like, ooh, that the dodge mechanic looks like floaty and weird. You know how like he, you dodge and you just like float standing up kind of a little bit, like kind of weird, you like, yeah. like moonwalk sideways? That's exactly what you do in yeah. God of War. And it's weird to me that people were like yeah. so against that in Origins. I didn't have a problem with it, obviously, like personally, because I knew like they've never done this before. It's not going to look great, obviously. Um, yeah, and with, I just... With God, we need to start using the dash, Jared. Why are we afraid of the dash? Quit this sidestepping, backstepping bullshit. I mean, if you have a dash, definitely have a backstep. But like, you need to. Your character shouldn't just be, like you said, kind of just moonwalking sideways. Or at your least, character should you know like almost like leap sideways or give like, it some momentum like and really, like some feel. To yeah, it. like a really quick uh, strafe. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing is, like, with Dark Souls, hate to be keep griping on this, obviously, Dark Souls of this, Dark Souls of that, but in Dark Souls, you roll, and there is weight to that, and that yeah. actually ties into right. um, your gear. Like, heavier gear you wear, the more heavy uh, uh, your weight capacity is, and the slower you roll. So there's direct consequence yeah. for all of those things in combat. With God of War, and once again, I'll reiterate for the ninth time, I'm only an hour in, but, like, when you dodge, it's like a side floaty dodge thing. I'm like, oh... And it just astounds me, going back to it real quick before we go to what you've been playing, I know how much Dom loves the Dark Souls games. I know how much he loves Bloodborne. And it just astounds me that he said that he felt that the God of War combat was that perfected because I'm playing it and I'm like, yeah, it's just this doesn't there. hold a goddamn candle <laughs> to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Especially, dude, once you play Bloodborne, because Bloodborne is more in line with the original God of War series so if you've uh, already played one and two, you'll know that the older games are much quicker. Yeah, you know you're able as Kratos to move around the areas much quicker now. I think that's greatly tied to the uh, perspective, which is yep. isometric in the old games, fixed camera, and now it's this, in my opinion, 
way too close. You know, speaking of Red Dead, I like how you can choose how close the camera is, your um, field of view. And uh, first person's a little think... like uh, Uncanny Valley to me sometimes. It's very weird. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, ooh, yeah. no. <laughs> I don't think you know the horse and character models probably aren't quite up to snuff for that. But anyways. Um, with the God of War point of view, I just don't think that you could even have it be a faster combat because um, that camera is just so close and uptight. And that is also connected to the whole one-shot thing, which is you know, revolutionary in a sense, especially for gaming. But I personally, uh, I mentioned earlier in the year, I think it was more detrimental than beneficial because I think that in cutscenes... There's parts where I really wanted to be seeing the characters' faces, but, um, you know, it's basically like a cameraman, you know, trying to wrap around these characters and walk around in this motion capture studio that they're in instead of just uh, what would almost be like cameras on tripods set up in different spots for a movie that's cutting as opposed to like a Birdman, you know, where it's just one shot. So, um, and there's other ways, kind of like the the perspective being too close and stuff like that where I just don't really think it gels with me but um, yeah man I hope that they tweak a couple things uh, for God of War 2 or whatever it is God of War 5 um, regardless of the fact that it did get so much praise because I think yeah it's not it's not up to snuff with something like Bloodborne even though it kind of in my opinion that's what it's trying to be and um, I'd like to see them at least put some speed back into it um, because that was some of my favorite part parts of the God of War combat originally and just that general um, type of game those action games on the PS2 whether it was Devil May Cry or Ninja Guide and stuff like that so well the last thing I'll say is I still think it's a great game I'm having a good time with it I still think it'll probably Absolutely. end up in my top three for game of the year I'm just saying like there's yeah. some questions I have like no one really talked about how video gaming it was, and you know the combat to me isn't like outstanding. I think it's good, it's serviceable. Yeah. Is, um, is Bloodborne gonna be in your top three, Jared? Uh, From I don't, a few years ago, <laughs> I don't think I'll play it. I have it on PS Plus, but I don't think I'll play it this year because I have that in oh Ratchet and Clank, man. and I'll get to those eventually. Dude, um, I cannot wait to hear you your opinions on Bloodborne. I've been honestly waiting for those in. I just can't can't wait to to see what you think. Such a great game. Well, I think at worst it'll be my third favorite Souls game because I it, it'll be better than Dark Souls to me. No questions asked. I really don't like Dark Souls two. Yeah. At all. Um, yeah. I go back and forth depending on the day. Dark Souls three, Dark Souls one because they both have their their own things about them. I'm excited to play it too. Um, the last thing I was gonna say is that uh, I can't wait to play more God of War and see where I land at the end of it. Those are just some mm-hmm. things I wanted to say, and that's pretty much it for me. Um, what, what have you been playing? So, playing-wise, i, I got to say it's been uh, pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. Just a little bit more into Red Dead Redemption. Unfortunately, I tried hopping into that game a couple times and got interrupted for whatever reason. Uh, kind of multiple times, so i really been wanting to wait until I had a good chunk of time that I knew... You know, hopefully I was going to be able to just sink into Red Dead to jump back in. Um, but other than that, um, not a whole lot. Keeping up with a little bit of Bravely Default. 
Um, mostly, uh, since we talked a lot about God of War, though, that's, that's a game. Mostly what I want to focus on and uh, dedicate my time to is the uh, Blade Runner series, I guess I'll call it. Um, which is based off of the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Um, holy fucking shit, man. I rewatched Blade Runner 2049 for maybe the third or fourth time now uh, last night. And I am super confident now in saying, Jared, um, I watched it in 4K. Uh, with lossless audio, this movie is the sound is loud and incredible. The music's incredible, and I am confident in saying like this is my favorite fucking movie of all time, Jared. Hands down, straight up. <laughs> That's great. Whenever you you find that out with any medium, like you found like the new. I mean, Nicole. dude, when I saw it in the theater, it was as affecting as seeing the dark knight the day the dark knight came out in theaters where it shook me <laughs> like hashtag shook it's a joke but it's real like um i saw it twice in theaters uh, talking about blade runner 2049 and uh i've started it at home but uh just rewatched it i would say fully for the third time um like i said m- crystal clear conditions and was just blown the fuck away for the third time and it's a in my opinion this movie is a nearly flawless masterpiece um which can also be said for the dark knight i think the reason i'm mentioning that specifically is because i would say that generally had the cake before this one um but yeah this movie's nearly three hours long i think it it deserves every bit uh it's interesting we've talked a little bit on this show before about some of the uh, surrounding universe stuff that they came out with uh, for the movie. They did a couple of extra clips that I think would be, you know, basically just deleted scenes from the movie, but they were kind of character lead-ins for Jared Leto and Dave Dave Bautista's characters, uh, which are both great. But specifically, I want to give a huge shout-out to Bautista. In this movie, he's only in it for a few minutes. He's got an extra scene up on YouTube, uh, but... In this one, he's just... I mean, he kills it for, like, the five minutes that he's on screen. Um, and I think this would have been after Guardians 2 came out. Um, but anyways, he just absolutely steals the show for that scene that he's there. Um, but, you know, every piece of this movie is fantastic. Denis Villeneuve, my favorite director at this point... Uh, director of Sicario, Arrival, Enemy, uh, hopefully looks like the upcoming Dune project uh, that's really starting to come together with casting and stuff. He's created this sequel to uh, the original Blade Runner, which uh, I ended up rewatching today, which is a great movie. It's an amazing movie. Um, Man, that remastered in 4K is something awe-inspiring. It's 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 breathtaking. Uh, but I definitely would not consider that movie a masterpiece. It's just a really great, really amazing movie. Um, but this is just something else. And the fact that it's a sequel to such a great movie and the way it respects Blade Runner. Um, 
I mean, I, I could talk about it forever, but uh, just, you know, shout out to a lot of different things. I'm glad that Harrison Ford came back and really kicked ass in this one. I think, you know, people talk about Harrison Ford phoning things in sometimes, and I think if you give Harrison Ford some really good shit to work with, then he's not like, you know, he's not asking for something to work with, you know? He's not like, come on, man, give me give me something to work with here. Um, and it's... Uh, he can usually uh, dig his heels in um, a lot better. So you get a really good performance out of him. Ryan Gloss, Ryan Gosling is fantastic. Um, and I've really, really grown to respect him immensely as an actor, watching a lot of great movies with him. Um, Only God Forgives and uh, Place Beyond the Pines, a couple shout-outs there. Uh, but... Yeah, man. The music, I looked it up today. Hans Zimmer and uh, I think Christoph or Christopher Walfish, I think is the dude's name. These guys came together. They had worked together before. And uh, the guy that had been doing scores for Denis Villeneuve's uh, movies thus far, um, for whatever reason, was taken off the project like three months before the movie came out. And Hans Zimmer and uh, Christopher Walfish, if I'm saying that name correctly, came together and did this um, this score that is just out of this world incredible. And, I mean, they had to have gotten it done in like two months or less uh, to get it in the actual movie uh, from the time that they started in July until October when it released. So, beginning of October, so... Yeah, I, I can't say enough about this movie. Like I said, it is almost three hours long. It is an epic masterpiece. It is way better if you've seen the original and if you're into uh, really heady sci-fi, really far-out, trippy stuff that's going to um, reel you in and, and, and make you think. Um, it's a great story, uh, continuing uh, the storyline from the first one. And uh, it's a simple one, but it's a really intricately woven mystery and well told um so yeah I, I just can't say enough about it there's like i said it's nearly flawless picking it apart uh last night i could barely find anything that was even the slightest flaw so um yeah just wanted to gush over that movie for a second so it's funny you talk about the favorite movie thing i had that i had the my favorite movie switch like Three times in three years after being the same movie wow. for a long time. So, sure. Do you you remember the movie Moon? I don't know if you ever saw Moon with Sam Rockwell. Oh, dude. Oh, I was just thinking about because I was watching these cyberpunk movies with uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. And I was thinking about Mute. You remember Mute? Oh yeah, the Paul Paul Rudd's in it at Netflix. I still haven't seen it. It's on my queue. Yeah. What's his name? Duncan Jones. Is that the director of these two movies? Yeah. Moon and Mute. Yep. Yeah, so Duncan Jones' follow-up to Moon. I love Moon. I was so excited for this cyberpunk bartender who's mute uh, story. And that movie is fucking garbage. And, Jared, it's connected universe with Moon. With Sam Rockwell. So it makes me want to watch it just for that, no matter how bad it is. He's got a... Like, okay, so do you want to just, like, go all-out spoilers? No, no, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. Oh, for Moon. For Moon. For oh, Moon. Uh, for moon. sure. It's a almost a ten-year-old movie at this point. Go ahead. 
So yeah, quick spoilers for Moon. You know, there's there's duplicates of Sam Rockwell's character, right? Yep. And so I'll just say that in the part of the connected universe cameo, you'll see you know like multiple Sam Rockwells. So in mute. So uh, dude, it's so bad. I don't even know. You might just want to like look up the cameos. <laughs> yeah, on I just watch the scene. It's a awful, awful, and it's got like yeah, it's got Paul Rudd, and it's got um. It looked promising too, which sucks. Dude, it's what's his name? Uh, it's one of the Skarsgård brothers, Bill. Uh, no, Bill is Bill from is it. the dad, and Alex. It's Alex, I think Skarsgård, who was in who was fantastic in uh, Big Little Lies that I watched recently on and HBO. The Tarzan movie, <laughs> <laughs> and the Tar hey, and the Tarzan movie. But yeah, it's like it's got great actors in it. <clears throat> Justin Throws in it. It's got a great director. And uh, apparently he had been wanting to make it for a long time. It's connected to this awesome movie and Moon. It's just like, fuck, man, this sucks. <laughs> Cyberpunk, too. Come on. So we're running a little long, so I want to just get through this real quick. Um, sorry, I, sorry. It's cool to know that they're connected, though, no matter how bad that movie is. Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, my yeah. favorite movie was Moon for a long time. The movie came out in 2009. Longest time, Moon. Then in 20. 2014, 2013, the years might be a year off, but I know how it goes. So, it went 12 Years a Slave, which is a very depressing uh, movie, but that movie is so incredible. Up, dude. It's such an incredible movie. Very long movie, Shout too. Shout out to Michael Fassbender. And uh, Chewy Tell Ijiofor. That was like his breakout yep. uh, Thank you for pronouncing that name for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, following year was Interstellar. I know that movie was mixed, but that movie just hit huh. me so hard. Like, I love wow. Interstellar so much. Wow. And it's funny because yeah. I don't normally like Matthew McConaughey, but that movie just, I loved it. I don't it. even know if that's in my top five Christopher Nolan movies. I don't like Inception, so that's an easy one for it to scoot up there for oh me. Oh my god, bro. You like Interstellar more than Inception, dude? That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I also don't like Looper, but I know a lot of people are divided on that movie. Um, so that's not as bad as Inception. That's not, that's, yeah. that's what's his name from uh, Last Jedi. That's. Uh, I thought Looper was... I thought Looper, okay. Looper's I guess I'm wrong. Anyways, so it was 12 Years a Slave, then it was Interstellar, and then it was Ex Machina the following year. Ex Machina is like my favorite movie. There you go. Now there you go. Yeah, Ex Machina there is fantastic. Um, I'd be interested to see, I don't know if Dom's favorite movie is Dark Knight. I wonder if all three of our favorite movies are all sci-fi. I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, I'm thinking more like space sci-fi. I don't know if it's not Dark Knight, if it's yeah. an, a sci-fi movie. But you know, I think I was talking about this earlier, like, dude... Comic books are basically sci-fi. Batman's oh, 100%, yeah. fucking sci-fi. You know, Batman's science fiction is fucked. Especially, there's tons of sci-fi in in, uh, in Dark Knight. So, yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, space sci-fi, essentially, or, like, cyberpunk sci-fi. No, I totally sci-fi. get you. Like, like, Mute. Like, Mute's a great example <laughs> yeah. of sci-fi. Um, yeah, I was just, I wanted to mention that, because I thought it was funny that... Sure, sure. Sometimes you just have, have a role of movies... Jordan, I want to hear your opinion on this PlayStation not being at E3 thing. You oh, were yeah. with us last week, so. Give you that quick rundown. Um, it, Like I said, Jared, this is kind of just an update on what I've been mentioning recently with these PlayStation showings, these conferences, these meetings, whatever the fuck you want to call them because they change the name every 10 goddamn minutes. These presentations that PlayStation's been doing recently. You had the... Uh, I guess it would have been end of holy shit jared it goes back even farther than i originally realized i was gonna say psx 2016 that would have been no 2017 
was the couches. PSX, yes, right? PSX, but the the bef- this the original. I would say you could even go back, Jared, to 2016 fall with the meeting for the PS4 Pro. Yeah, because was E3 was E3 2017 like the not great one, and then 2018 was the weird like let's shuffle people yeah. through stuff. Yeah, so right. fall 2016 would probably be the earliest signs of this. Yeah, right. Yeah, so like E3 2016 would have been Uncharted Lost Legacy, uh, where they opened up with that musical number after they had done God of War the year before. So they were kind of running out of the steam, I feel like, a little bit. Weaker show than 2015, but still pretty good. E3 2016 was pretty good. Pretty good, right? Um, But then, like I said, they're coming off of this weird PS4 Pro thing, and then they're heading into this weird couch thing where they don't do fuck all for PSX 2017 and it's just dumb it's just it's just dumb and they put way too much time into Paris Games Week um, I get or not time but just like way too much pomp and circumstance into Paris Games Week which I get because they have such a big audience in Europe but it's just weird how they're constantly shifting around. Like they just kind of ditched Gamescom a few years ago, and now they're all about Paris Games Week. Except for this so, year, they didn't do it this year either. Yeah, and then they skip <laughs> Paris Games Week this year. So yeah, you're totally right, Jared. And so then coming off of the couches at PSX, then we get these fucking uh, like you were talking about the shuffle around at old E3 where. They just, I don't know, they must have tripped acid when they were doing the planning meetings or something because they were trying to create some fucking experience at a church that was in the actual game. Getting high on pretension. Way too pretentious, man. Way too much. The sound was bad, and they had the guy that does the soundtrack, who's fantastic, come out and play the banjo beforehand. They had the post great. The soundtrack's great. They had the post show in the middle. Was... <laughs> It, yeah, it sounded terrible. Like his banjo sounded terrible, and then we get this demo of an amazing game that shouldn't have all these dumb circumstances surrounding it. Then they have to shuffle people out of this weird church, fake ass church that they built, and so they're doing yeah, like the post show or the pre show during the show to stall for time while they shuffle these people over into the actual auditorium where they do the rest of the fucking show. Um, so it wasn't even a tour. It wasn't like you're going from spot to spot. It was just like, we want to do this annoying prequel and then make you walk over to the auditorium, I guess. So it was just a fucking mess. And like I said, coming off of all this other weird stuff that they've been throwing in the mix, it's just like, come on, guys. And not only that, but earlier this fall, Jared, we've had uh, no Paris Games Week, like you mentioned. That's a good way to put it because they've been so adamant about Paris Games Week. Uh, the last couple years before and then we have this Tokyo game show thing with this spaceship did you watch this Jared? the spaceship <laughs> dual shock yeah. and the, the fucking face buttons that were talking to each other like yeah. the triangle and the square the X and the circle and it was just weird even for Japan standards and it was just another you know chink in the armor and then they cancel PSX uh, they cancel uh, E3, and man, they're looking rough. I mean, Xbox is looking rough because they just had this, like, you know, kind of lukewarm uh, XO18. 
Not as bad as the couches incident uh, for PSX. I'd have to. I'd Not have to. Nearly as bad. I'd have to disagree with that because EXO. I don't think EXO eighteen was Xbox's fault. I think it was people's expectations of what they wanted it to be. I think kind of funny put it well when they said, "Wait, Major Nelson said E three just a little bit less," or you know, paraphrasing there, but you know what I'm saying. Um, just kind of like a little bit lighter than E3, and I'm like, that's way lighter than E3 if you ask me. But you also have um, to remember that the know, Obsidian, the Obsidian news leaked, and I think that's a huge thing. Is because if we didn't know Obsidian was getting purchased beforehand, I think that would have been a bigger announcement. People knowing about it yeah. two weeks before, it already seemed like it, people already thought it was a done deal. So speaking when they announced of, it. speaking of, do you think that uh, these studio uh, acquisitions and and uh, start you know starting new studios is still going to be interesting if they're doing that i feel like it's almost like people are start are about to start saying put up or shut up they're still excited it's great to have obsidian there but it's like eventually people are still going to be like and it's been well, f- i'm not playing anything it's it been, hasn't been nearly it's been four months I, i'm just talking about <laughs> but jared we're talking about the internet here and just people in general you know what i mean yeah i don't think that they it's i would put it past the internet to get upset that they're not putting up uh, or shutting up way too early. Um, I even, just think that even this year, Xbox had the, as many major exclusives release as PlayStation. They just weren't like as high caliber review wise. They had Sea of Thieves, they had well, State yeah, of Decay two, and they had Forza Horizon four. Budget wise, I would say. Well, Forza Horizon four is the same budget, budget, and so is Sea of Thieves. Not State of Decay, but those other two are. Sea of Thieves is not a AAA game. 100%. I have to vehemently disagree with you. AAA game would be Forza or uh, Tomb Raider or Halo. Sea of Thieves, in my opinion, is AA on the level of uh, Just Cause 4, for example. Or a Nintendo first party But Just Cause 4 is a AAA game. Super Smash... I disagree. I think Budget wise, double I think it's reaching. It's kind of like reaching, and I think like Nintendo first party, like Smash Bros. That's like a really high budget double A game. So it's your only opinion, not the actual like definition of what a what a triple A is. I mean, there really aren't any definitions. That's the problem with the whole. What's well, budget wise? There. Yeah, but. <sighs> We don't really. No one really uses the term double A in the sense that uh, I am in this current situation. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, so it's I'm not, not saying as widely used as the term triple A, and then single A would be indie, but no one uses it that way. You know what I'm saying? They're very loose terms. Is is what I'm trying to get across. Well, yeah. Well, they usually say like indie, and then like triple I would be like a high budget indie game. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a brand new term, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, back to the original point of this. We're getting off topic again. Um, what are so overall? What is your? Why do you think they're skipping E three? Probably just because they don't want to keep showing the same shit. But man, they just like I said, even with in my opinion a uh, rough, uh, not rough, a. Yeah, lukewarm is the way I would put it. Lukewarm XO18. Uh, Xbox is still looking pristine compared to uh, Sony because, yeah, it's just chinks in the armor, man. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't, other than the fact that, like I said, I don't think they have enough. I mean, it. if you look at it this way, it 
did seem to me like some of the stuff that uh, may have been lacking from XO18 was stuff that um, you know they might be saving for whatever the next Xbox is. Uh, Scarlet, I guess. Also, we had a couple of announcements that they said that would actually happen at uh, Game Awards. So what I'm assuming is some of those deals happened before they wanted to go all out on XO18 and they made that deal with Keeley to show off stuff at the Game Awards because Xbox usually doesn't have stuff at the end of the year. And then they transitioned to doing XO18. Did they make a deal with Geely specifically this year? Uh, yeah, the they're showcasing all the all the game announcements for the winner of Arcade. Oh, so that's like a connection to the Game Awards. That's and then there was another one. I think Crackdown is having a reveal at, at uh, the Game Awards as well. I don't remember what it was. There's another thing at during XO18 you know. that they said wait till the Game Awards for an announcement or something. Anyways. It just seems like, it, you know, two different approaches here. You could either still have an event and maybe not have a giant blowout and, you know, really uh, light people's hair on fire. Or you could decide to just uh, not show up and maybe disappoint people. But also maybe, who knows, maybe it is helpful to your brand in the long run because you're not... Uh, either kind of stalling for time or revealing PS5 games too early, maybe. Yeah. So, I have a couple questions for you before we move on to the actual news. One, do you think that this means that there's a high chance Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, and Last of Us Part Two don't come out in 2019? And are there four PS5 titles? Uh, No, not necessarily. Maybe there are transitional titles that I mean, come out I think if they don't come out in... I think that that is the caveat for me. If they don't come out in 2019, they are PS5 titles. That doesn't negate them from being on the PlayStation 4, but if you um, are any one of those three games, I think we can all safely say Death Stranding is probably on PS5. Oh, 100%. But, uh, yeah, that's the easy know, one. I just feel like, yeah, if it's not coming out in 2019, you know, you got uh, Days Gone earlier on, but... Uh, yeah, definitely PS5 titles is what that's sounding like. I feel like we might get... Uh, I feel like there's actually a very good chance that we'll get either Ghosts, Ghost of Tsushima or Last of Us. Uh, you know, summer or fall of next year. Maybe late summer. But Because um, I think they can yeah, all three could not come out next year. And two of those titles could be... Uh, like early 2020 and then ps5 still comes out in the fall you know yeah and you know there are there there's a lot of stuff that we um can kind of gather from recently released games or games that are going to be released uh within the next year or two as far as what studio is working on uh ps5 game let's say look how close um god of war and detroit were they weren't super close, but they both came out so the first what half I'm of saying the year. Is like, right, and that's what I'm saying is like you can expect, um, probably within a year of the release. I would say within definitely within two years of the release of the PS5, you'll have God of War Five. You know, so we can already tell that well, Horizon um, Two as well. Right, Horizon Two, Spider Man Two. 2. Yeah. So, um, you know, possibly Days Gone too. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Too it- or just whatever Ben's next game is. I'm just saying we understand that there should be plenty coming down the pipeline for oh, PS5. Yeah. yeah, that's Who not a worry. about dreams? And so, um, 
yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to shake it, see how this shakes out. I definitely think you're going to get another AAA um, exclusive from first-party Sony uh, in 2019 besides Days Gone. Dreams. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I'm not, I, fuck, dude, I, I would say that Little Big Planet and Dreams are probably, like, not quite AAA. Oh, no, those to me are, like, triple I. I don't think they're even double A. Uh, who, who the fuck knows? We're speaking uh, Greek here. Yeah, but to your point though, the way I, I know your you, your idea of like Last of Us coming out and then uh, those other games being PS Five, for me it would be uh, no other major first party next year, and then early year uh, Last of Us, closer to E three, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, or even flip those. Uh, it'd probably be the other way, considering the one the first Last of Us released. So Ghost of Tsushima early, like February. Last of Us, like in June. And then PS5 launch in the fall. And then Death Stranding comes out sometime in 2021. Um, and obviously those so, games maybe could be on PS5. The Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. What year, Jared, will Dreams 1.0 come out? The official release, not beta. 1.0 Dreams, what year? Uh, 2020. I don't think it comes out next year. God damn. God damn. It better be out next year, dude. You think... You better get out next year, boy. I think the earliest... Let's go. The earliest that game releases next year, I think, is April. And I don't know if, like, nine months is... Dude, they were supposed to have a beta in, like, 2016, maybe 2015. Like, they were supposed to have a beta years ago. A beta years ago. But think about where they're at now is, like... If we release this creation game on a platform that's about not to become obsolete, because obviously people still play PS4, like they're in this weird middle gray area of like we're releasing Dude, a game on a console that's about to be on, replaced. Put it on PS4. You got that gigantic install base. That's why they're releasing 3DS games. You have a gigantic install base as opposed to what you know a few million PS5s that are going to be out in the first year or so. Yeah. So I'd say you know. We kill it on PS4 and then maybe port it over if you can get the popularity going. The only problem is that we see that exclusive games don't sell nearly as well as third-party games, obviously. Or even just... Uh, with that, it's like the hardcore players are going to be the ones that give that game life. So it's like, unless you give people a free copy on PS5, I don't think that's a smart thing to... I understand Free the copy? Base. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen, no, no, free. no. If you buy it on PS4, you get a download for free on PS5. Not that anybody gets it free oh, on PS5. Oh, oh, Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a backwards compatibility-ish thing. You know what I mean? You bought Dreams on PS4, you have it on PS5. Um, yeah, actually, I didn't even think about that. You shouldn't have to, you know, port Dreams to PS5 because it better fucking be backwards compatible. Yeah, most games should be on PS5, hopefully. Um, let's hop into the news here. We're running a little long. So the first two will be quick updates, and we'll get to the actual news stuff. Spyro Reignited, the trilogy, is apparently selling very well in the UK. Um, mm. At an impressive launch, over the last week, it sold more than Fallout 76 and each of the Let's Go games not combined. Obviously, if you combine those two Let's Go games, their numbers are crazy. Um, but not only did it impress versus those other titles launching that same week, it beat out Red Dead Redemption 2 at retailers this last week in the UK. Which is pretty impressive. Um, Jared... I gotta say something real quick. Why in the fuck are there trainer battles in the Let's Go games, but not 
wild Pokemon battles. Ooh, I have Fuck a, that bullshit. I have a whole Fuck TED that. talk about why I don't want like the Let's Go games. TED talk. Dude, the <laughs> Let's Go games are bullshit. I've been watching... I watched a little gameplay just to see what the real deal was now that it's out. And it's like, how dare you fucking remake uh, Red and Blue in HD, kind of, essentially, and then water it down with this what? baby bullshit. Tim Geddes described it well of, like, they're babying down. A baby game. They're, like, babying up a baby game. That's fucking yeah. garbage, man. Wait, Fuck. The and here's the problem, is the people that are really into it have one or two issues with people who don't like it. They either say, like, A, stop yeah. being a purist, the game needs to change, or B... They're like, well, this game wasn't made for you then. Which is the way I take it. Like, play your game, whatever. My The one I want is Pokemon 2019. It wasn't made for me, but it's an insult that they would, like, try to entice me by saying, but it's like a red and blue remake, kind of. Well, you know? that's so easy. Like, fuck off. If it was, fuck off. If it wasn't a red and blue remake, they could get people who are familiar with Go, but they want to be able to have that crossover of the people who are super into Go and us. So they're like, we're going to have our cake and eat it, too. But I'm saying... <laughs> I ain't falling your, for your bullshit. Get the fuck out of here, Nintendy. Yeah. In terms of Spyro Reignited, it shouldn't be surprising. We saw how well Crash Bandicoot sold. If you do a remaster well, it sells. Nostalgia is huge. If you take the time and dedication to make these games look awesome yeah. and play well, yeah. they will sell. Nostalgia is a powerful tool. The Mega Man Legacy collections and stuff like that, if you, you give it the TLC... Yeah. Also, if they ever do a new version of Banjo Kazooie, I guarantee you that things gonna sell like gangbusters in the UK. This is showing us that the UK loves 3D platformers. <laughs> like they just eat that mm -hmm. stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a strong market. Well, for they've them. got they've got that uh, that 90s PlayStation nostalgia, man. That's when you know they were buying the shit out of Gran Turismo and and Resident Evil and all yep. that shit. So um, that's why they're well. That's why they were all about Paris Games Week, but who knows? You know, they skipped out this uh, year. So. The next update. A couple of weeks ago, we had this story about Ubisoft making map changes. So only a few weeks ago after Ubisoft announced they would be making major cosmetic changes to their map in preparation for their release in China and other Asian territories, Ubisoft has announced it will no longer be the case. Their explanation for yeah. the change was stated as, We have been following the conversation <sighs> with our community closely over the past couple of weeks, alongside regular discussions with our internal Ubisoft team, and we want to ensure that the experience for all players, especially those who have been around from the beginning, remains true as possible to the original artistic intent uh, in the game. When asked what effect... Oh, now <laughs> they're all about artistic intent, huh, Jared? When asked what the effects would be uh, with this new update, they said our intention is are to keep the impact to a minimum, though such changes may lead to a season delay or instability as our testing and debug times are shortened. The, you know, because now they have two different versions of the game. We will monitor our tests closely and keep you updated on any new developments via our Twitter. And my last anecdote here is it seems that the community's voice was heard through social media as well as the extreme Steam user review bombing that occurred as well. Um, Fuck. Yeah. So they made the change. Uh, your voices were heard. That's good. Shouldn't have done it in the first mm -hmm. place. It was an odd change, but at least they heard. Sometimes we hear these things and they just stubbornness, you know, companies don't back out of it. At least Ubisoft For me, is like Jared, hey, it's... I'm just so glad that the tide, you know, could shift a little bit backwards as far as this whole, like, China taking over our uh, media influence oh, thing. Yeah. You know, like, China being able to just choose uh, the type of movies we watch or games we play just because they're such a big market that they can 
swing their giant dick around well, and tell us what's up, you know. I think there's clever ways to do it. Um, Zootopia had one of the coolest region differences. I don't know if you remember this. Zootopia has a news anchor segment in the movie where there's two news anchors talking. For whatever country it was in, they specifically changed those animals. So for Canada, I think it was like a moose. For us, I forgot yeah. what it was. For China, it was a panda. And that's a cool change because it's something that doesn't drastically affect the movie, but it plays to that region, and it's a very minute part mm. of the movie. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. In terms of, like, Hollywood, though, it's like, it's funny, when I told my friends this, I was like, from now on, whenever you go watch a big-budget Hollywood movie, there's pay attention, there will always be one Chinese actor in every, in every one of these yeah. movies. Or... If it's Transformers, they'll just pick up the plot and in take Japan, it to China. In China, yeah. And that's the funniest thing. China, Japan, yeah. Uh, like the Meg, you have that. One of the leads in that is a yeah. famous Chinese actress. Uh, Pacific yeah. Rim, they inserted a Chinese character in both of those movies. These goofy, mindless, big-budget action films like the two you just mentioned are things that China is currently eating up because they've had so long where so many movies were censored and they've only allowed a certain amount of uh, imported entertainment if you will um, so they missed out on a lot of the stuff that we thought was cool back in the day and so now the Meg is like dude we've seen giant sharks you know yeah but they're like eating that shit up they're eating that shit up the giant robots and Pacific Rim and Transformers they're eating that shit up the cool thing with Marvel is if in Phase 4 they have a side franchise as Young Avengers, they have some easy ins there that don't feel as, like, bad. They have um, yep. uh, they have uh, Miss Marvel, who's obviously of Indian descent, uh, mm-hmm. and they have Amadeus Cho. I don't know if they'll go out the Amadeus Cho route, but he is Chinese, so that'd be pretty interesting. I, I wouldn't be too surprised, buddy. Yeah. Big Hulk fan. You might just get your wish. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting when you point that stuff out. Um, these last two news stories, one of them is MPDs. So that won't take us too long. This one is where we'll probably talk a little bit about it, and that's that there's a report that Microsoft is set to release a new Xbox One S model in 2019. Uh, the tech website, The Row, which me interjecting real quick, they're the same ones who broke the rumor about Scarlet before everyone else reported on it, the next-gen Xbox. Nice. Uh, the two versions, remember there's a streaming version and just the regular what we expect from a uh, console. Um so they say that their sources believe Microsoft is set to release a diskless version of the Xbox One S in 2019. The report suggests Microsoft is doing this in an effort to have a super low entry point into the Xbox One family of consoles. For those concerned with losing out on their physical collection, the Rose sources also stated that Microsoft will offer a physical to digital trade-in service at very select retail partners, such as the Microsoft Store, where you trade in your physical Which games crazy. for uh, digital codes. On top of this report, they said they're not going, they're not stopping production on the regular Xbox One S or One X. None of that's happening. This is just another skew for them to get people in at a lower price point. So for people who still enjoy buying discs, don't worry, those aren't going away. But this is a predeterminer for the possible future of uh, console hardware many years down the line. Um, so, what do you what do you think about this? Um, my main question was like, what are your thoughts on the discless Xbox One as an option for consumers? Um, the thing here is some people are trying to say, oh, this means that there's no way the new Scarlet is coming out in 2020. Like, how does that even correlate? This isn't a huge announcement. They're just going to be like, yeah. here's a discless version. It's cheaper. Buy it if you want it. It's not like, yeah. here's... I mean, this is like the the super slim kind of, and that's that's what you release right right around the time of the new console. Exactly. 
This isn't an X2. This is just a new iteration of the Xbox One S. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this happens. You know, there's three PS3s. There's three PS4s. There will be... There's three Xbox Ones already, you know? This is great for so, Game Pass people. Because um, you don't care about yeah, a disk drive. You know, and Xbox One is, is cool how you can just throw in a passport. You can just plug in a uh, 3.0, USB 3.0 yep. hard drive. So um, my One S is already all digital in that sense. I've talked before about how my consoles have essentially been all digital for a while now i might pick up a five dollar disc at gamestop every now and then but for the most part my entire game collection even my computer collection is all digital has been for years so i'm all about this and i think sony's it's weird jared i think i've mentioned this once before sony on all three of the ps4s but specifically the pro and the original ps4 um the disc drive is so nearly hidden like my brother would have trouble finding it it's it's like almost hidden to the point where they want to say like it's it's a digital console kind of it, they want it to look like a digital console well, yeah, i have then, the slim and i'm yeah, like you can barely it, tell where this thing is <laughs> yeah and that one probably has the most obvious of the disc drives yeah. because the other ones are like hidden under these big lips so um yeah it's like it really does have a uh, sleek kind of high-tech all digital look already going and um even the xbox ones have uh, uh discrete disc drives so i think that's the way we're moving and uh this makes sense you know how would you feel reminds me of that was it a uh the wii mini was that a thing you know what i'm talking about yeah i forgot about that it was missing some features yeah missing some features yeah the wii u was also missing features um <laughs> <laughs> slammed up I have a question for you. Just a simple yes or no. Would it get you more interested? <laughs> and this is saying that both these consoles are sleek and beautiful. It's just a simple matter of color, okay? Mm, so I'm mm, not saying they'll be ugly mm. or, like, weirdly designed. What would interest you more? The PS5 going back to that PS1 gray color, right? That color scheme with the gray and then all the other colors of the buttons mm -hmm. in some capacity. Mm -hmm. But it's it's primarily a that light gray shade. Or the Xbox doing some kind of green for their console. Obviously, they're going to be black or white. I'm, this isn't a reality, but I'm just saying, which one would excite you more? If you heard that the, the well, new Jared, Xbox is going to be green or the new PlayStation is going to be gray? Let me give you a verbose response. I can't give you a yes or okay. no answer for an A or B multiple choice. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 it's not a yes or no thing. Well, it's I was a, originally going to ask you. It's an you, A. I, was, I would choose option A. I was originally going to ask you if either of them, like, if that, oh, that would excite you, period. But then I thought it was more interesting after yeah, I already asked you. Yeah, I do you. want, I, you know, I was talking to my brother the other day about, like, cooler tight Tennessee Titans jerseys. I'm always wanting sports teams to go all far out with that. I would love to see far out uh, green Xbox Scarlet and, uh, uh, you know, gray PS1, uh, PS5, basically. You need to check yeah, out the... Especially the... Especially the gray PS5, uh, looking at what they've done with the anniversary PS4, for sure. You need to take a minute to check out the NBA All-City jerseys. It's a special line of jerseys they do that the NBA players wear. Like, It's like an alternate uniform, but they're very... NBA All-Cities. So the Utah Jazz, who's my favorite team, theirs is a gradient from red to bright yellow going up the body. So it's like red, orange-red... 
darker orange, orange, you know, orange yellow. Oh yeah, it's it reminds me of the old uh, like Astros uniforms. Kind of yeah, and then the uh, Miami Heat is like black, and it's like Miami Vice. It's like bright pink numbers with like bright blue text that says Miami Heat. Those are pretty fire. The Kings. The kings with the lion on it. Yeah. The crowned lion. Very interesting. Some of them take uh, some... Uh, you said Miami Heat. Yeah, the Miami Heat uh, city jerseys are pretty dope. These are cool, though. Yeah, I love alternate... Oh, that is cool, Jared. Yeah, that's <laughs> like some some dank neon. That's some Blade Runner shit exactly. right there. Um, Hell yeah. Thanks for showing me that. No problem. Uh, yeah, this isn't surprising. I don't think that's much news. It's, you know, we can expect it. Um, it's not going to f- affect the next Xbox or anything. And I, I agree with you. I don't... A green console period just doesn't sound cool, even if it was a PlayStation. I'd much rather, like, the gray, blacks, whites, and I have such nostalgia for the PS1, so it's like, yes, give me that. Um, Dude, I got to show this off, Jared. I'll show you. Oh, the it's OKC like ones? It's picture oh, of, the of players. Yeah. No, this is the Heat players with, like, a neon sign in the background. I'll show the camera over here. Oh, yeah. And uh, just a cool-ass... Cool jerseys, cool photo, cool sign. That heat logo with the basket, the flaming basketball going through the hoop, uh, lends itself so well to neon. Yep, <laughs> great choice. Really whoever cool. designed it. Uh, real quick yep. before we close out, October MPDs. We're gonna go through this. I'll have you guess a couple of them, and then we'll close out the show. So some interesting sales set information, um, which isn't interesting once you think about it. It was the best October. <laughs> it was the best October for video game software ever. Um, over 965 million in sales that beats the previous Damn. record from 2008 which was 743 so more than 200 yeah. million more it's most likely due to Call of Duty releasing in October as opposed to November and you'll understand that when we get to the other numbers Call of Duty simply moving to a different month boosted October like crazy as well as Red yeah. Dead but mostly Call of Duty so in terms of the top selling games for October I'll go from 10, and then I'll have you guess the top five. 10, WWE okay. 2K19. Okay. Uh-huh. 9, Madden. Okay. Marvel Spider-Man as an 8. It dropped down a little bit. Not surprising. I think a bunch of people picked it up in September. I think November, uh, October is going to be like a month, which it is. It's 8. And then I think November with Black Friday, things going to shoot right back up in Christmas. Um, number 7, FIFA 19. Number 6, Soul Calibur 6. Pretty, pretty surprising. Number five, Jordan. I'll give you... It's a Nintendo game. A Nintendo game. Hmm. A Nintendo game. Most recent, oh, most want, recent exclusive. Wanna, Think about I it. I kind of want to say Luigi's Mansion for 3DS. No. No. Super Mario Party. I'm guessing again here. Super Mario Party. Super... Oh, duh. Yeah, duh. Number four... Uh, NBA 2K19. Number three. This is a game that charted in September. Luigi's Mansion. Is Luigi's Mansion even in the top 20? No. Jesus no. Christ. Uh, <laughs> number three. It's a game you didn't purchase, uh, but also trended in September because of the way the MPD fell. And it took till mm-hmm. October 5th for the MPD to stop. You're playing the prequel to this game. Mm. Mm, that's a bad way to oh, put no. that because technically it's not a prequel. You're playing a game in the same franchise. You're breaking. My Assassin's brain. Creed Odyssey. Oh, uh, okay. 
you were playing Origins. I yeah, guess you're I'm not just currently. I'm not doing very well here. I kind of wish uh, I'm almost like missing Dom at this point. Like he could uh, dig us out of this hole that I'm in. Number two and number one are are fifty fifty shot, obviously, because the two games, the two biggest games of the year that we haven't named yet. Number two is what? Yeah, it's Red Dead. Yep. Red Dead one. So no. Oh, Red Dead's two. Red Dead's two. Call of Duty Black Ops is number one. Wow. Remember, I was say remember, Red Call Dead of Duty uh, launched like at the twelfth or the thirteenth. Red Dead launched like the twenty sixth, so it had two weeks on it. Yeah. Um, I still thought it was just such a powerhouse. It could, you know, it could be the one. Top selling games for twenty eighteen. Supposed to be. I'll go through these real quick. Number these are top selling games for the year of twenty eighteen. Number ten, Call of Duty World War Two. Number nine, Grand Theft Auto Five. Number eight, Madden nineteen. Number seven, Monster Hunter World, still holding strong. Number six. Wow. Number six, it, it fall from grace. God of War fell to all the way to number six. Um, we expected this out during the fall. Though. Yeah, it's still very good. But remember, it was like two for a long time. Uh, number five, NBA Two K nineteen. Number four, Marvel Spider Man. Number three, Far Cry Five. Mm. And number two, Red Dead Redemption 2. Far Cry 5, dude. People aren't talking about that <laughs> shit like it's one of the top-selling games of the year, you know? Yeah. Number two, Red Dead Redemption 2. And Call of Duty Black Ops immediately became the top-selling game of the year. <laughs> Jeez. Um, the, the, it's, it's insane. Uh, they were talking about the numbers, and Black Ops 4 became the eighth-largest launch in MPD history. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they seem to have uh, pulled it off with their Blackout uh, Battle Royale map. Or, not map, but mode. Yeah. And I think that's going to be very beneficial for them. They really needed to do that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Red Dead can catch up to Black Ops. Um, Obviously, Black Ops has a tail, but so do Rockstar Games. I think, I don't think Red Dead will sell as much because I think there's a lot of people out there who look at Red Dead and they hear slow pace or realistic and people feel that that's not fun. I still think Red Dead 2 will sell very well. I just don't think it'll beat Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Not a chance. Um, We'll see. Well, yeah, we will see. Anyways, that's it for the show, episode 121. In terms of what we're going to be playing, God of War, Magic the Gathering Arena for me. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you, Jordan? Hey, you fucking prick. What do you think I'm going to be doing? Watching The Sopranos. God. (laughs) I just, I can't help myself. Sometimes it just comes out, you know? You just got to get the fuck out of here. Shove it up your ass. And more. Definitely watching uh, (laughs) more season three of Sopranos. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, I rewatched Blade Runner 2049 and then my friend came over and i watched the original with him so uh done with those movies didn't kind of just stumbled into going back through those um you know there's plenty of other stuff i've been uh dabbling in but um like i said hopefully getting getting uh back to red dead to sink in there and i'd also like to are you still in chapter uh, two mess around I don't even know where I'm at, man. I've it's tough because uh, you you really can kind of get sink, uh, kind of pulled into side stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. So I kind of forget where I'm at in the story, but 
Um, anyways, I'd also like to dip my toe in, well, probably not even dip my toe, probably like to just uh, play through that uh, second Spidey DLC. So Same, I'm forgot about that. So far. Yeah, the season so far, talked about uh, how excited I get for these new suits before the show. Really glad that we get three new suits per DLC pack along with uh, the cool new story uh, expansion. So um, really enjoying this season pass so far. And, you know, I know we don't have any issues with uh, people doing paid DLC uh, season passes, expansions, whatever, but, um, you know, they still to this day somehow in a lot of ways can get a bad rap. And I do love a good, uh, well packed season pass, if you will. So, yeah. Also, shout out to Spidey. Shout out to Lady Gaga tweeting about playing through Bayonetta. That's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> indeed, Jared, indeed. I guess on Twitch. She played on Switch? I, I assume, yeah. She was just tweeting that she was playing through Bayonetta, and everyone's like, you play video games? Yeah. What the fuck? Bayonetta, and like, Bayonetta the character and Lady Gaga would probably get along real well. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Thank you guys for listening to episode wow. 121. If you can, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a review on iTunes and follow us there. It definitely helps. Speaking of following, we're on Twitter, at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. All of our videos go out there. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Jordan at Melomotus. And you can follow Dom, who's not with us this week, at Dom's Oreos. We'll be back next week. Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. Can't wait for Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Catch you guys next time. Bye.